Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to the In and After Show. Um, this is kind of a monumental episode for James yeah. and I here. Uh, first show we ever talked about on the In and After Show was season three of Attack on Titan. One of them. It was, uh, it was. I think it was. I think it was season four. I think it was the beginning of the final season, yeah. which was like four years ago. Yes, right. Okay, that's why it throws me off so much. Is The final season of Attack on Titan was the first show we ever did on a and After Show. And um, it's taken this long here to get all the way through the end. But Attack on Titan, the final season, the final chapter is special too. It aired on Saturday. And so the show is officially over. Attack it, on Titan is done. It's done. It is, um, it's been a decade. The show originally premiered in 2013. So this entire ride has been completely wild. I mean, we watched the show skyrocket popularity. It seemed like the next sort of big entryway anime for quite a while. Like, yeah, I'm sure there's a generation of fans who have been fans for the last 10 years that got into it because of Attack on Titan um, everyone and their mom had one of those uh, scout regiment uniforms, like mm. those filled up conventions. And uh, it was very much the it was the demon slayer of its day, as far yeah. as like, cultural reach, I would say. Yeah, I would. I yeah, I guess given the money that Demon Slayer has made, that's probably a pretty apt comparison. Well, and and more the fact that like I know non anime fans like non weebs who yeah. know what attack on titan is right like just regular people older than me yeah that, like they've never watched dragon ball they've never you know they have no idea what freaking shonen is yeah they've seen attack on titan um, yeah because um it's been on hulu for a while or it was yes uh, yeah it's still on hulu that. yeah um yeah just crazy i mean remember when i got live action movies yeah did you were directed by takashi Miike, right uh, I can't. Was it Takashi Miki? I know the special effects was um, uh, same guy who works with Hideaki Anno a lot. Oh, oh, yeah. I can't remember. I don't know if he directed them or just did the effects, but I feel like Miki was involved. I never watched them because I heard they they did Mikasa pretty dirty. So I was did like, they? I've never I've never seen them either. But it's just sort of like another thing to like remember. Like, wow, that was going constantly. Um, if you head over to Anne and social media channels right now, we have a bunch of videos from uh, Hita City which is the hometown for Hajime Isayama, which is basically like a big Attack on Titan destination. Now they've got a whole museum, a lot of stuff set up there. That's really neat. Um, I also wanted to talk to you, James, about, before we get maybe into Attack on Titan, we do have one news story. And then I also want to ask James about uh, the Attack on Titan cruise ship. Oh, yeah. What, what that experience is like. We have a feature up on ANN right now. If you didn't buy a ticket to go to the, the after party that was, on the cruise ship. So you can read a little bit about that there, but I would like Shinji Higuchi did direct the movies. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah. Um, My apologies for the misinformation. I don't know where I got Takashi Miike from. Yeah. I was like, I think I remember if he did that. He did the Ace Attorney movie. Ace Attorney. He did Ace. I knew he did like some kind of left field. Okay. It was the Ace Attorney one. Yeah. I knew yeah. he did some kind of popular anime video game adaptation. Yeah. 
He didn't do the JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Um, did he do the Like a Dragon movie? He did the Like a Dragon movie? Yeah, there's a Yakuza movie. Anyway. Um, anyway. Anyway, so before we start digging into everything Attack on Titan, uh, going through the ending of the series, was it as disappointing as everyone said it would be? Um, manga fans have been talking shit about it for a while. Was it really that bad? Um, we're going to cover all of that tonight, but first... Hey, uh, there's going to be a Legend of Zelda film. Just a live action Legend of Zelda film. Live action Legend. Now, this has been rumored for a while. And I remember when this rumor first broke a couple years ago and Nintendo bit, like vehemently, they were like, no, this isn't happening. That's not real. I think it was the Wall Street Journal that um, first talked about it. Be, but it was a TV series, I think, is okay. when they, they first like said that that was in talks and Nintendo was like, no, it's not. Well, um, Shigeru- Back when IGN, I think, did like a live action April Fool's Day trailer for like a Legend of Zelda movie. And like, it, you know, because it was IGN it had like decent enough production values that people for a second were like, whoa. Saw that. You said it was an April Fool's thing? Yeah, it was years ago. Like this might've been even like, like around when Attack on Titan first came out. It might have been like a like ten years ago at this point. I want to I want to see it. I want to see it right now. Uh, yes. Okay. It's it's from two thousand and eight. James. Oh god. Freaking cut. So there is gonna be a Legend of Zelda TV. Uh, not TV film. Uh, Shigeru Miyamoto just like hopped on the official Nintendo Twitter and was like, "Hey, it's Miyamoto, and um, I'm working on this live action film for Zelda with um, Arya Bead." Right? Avi Arad? Avi Arad. I transposed the R and the B there. Ari, yeah, Ari Avad. I think, yeah. Yeah. Um, and they've also got uh, the director from the Maze Runner films, which I have not seen, so can't really comment on that. Although, friends, I he trust. He's directing the upcoming Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes movie. And um, that, the uh, movie is rule. Did, so. Is the new one going to rule? Who directed the last one? Uh, the last one was Matt Reeves. So it was Matt Reeves. Okay. It, it um, is true. But my 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 hope when I saw this, honestly, was I, I did not, I, I barely registered that there's going to be a Zelda movie. I was like, oh, okay. But that that tells me that the, the executives that have seen the new Planet of the Apes film yeah. are confident enough in this guy <laughs> okay. to give him Zelda. And to me, it's like, sweet, Planet of the Apes is a lock. That's going to be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I need to catch up on those because I, I did watch the last Planet of the Apes movie I watched was the one that had uh, Draco Malfoy in it. Which oh, that was the start... first of the reboot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 I don't think I've touched them since then. But uh, yeah, so Maze Runner, haven't seen the director's name is Wes Ball, by the way. We hadn't name dropped him yet. Um, but I've heard that it is, you know, decent film. Uh, Maze Runner, I think, is based off a book that I also haven't read. So again, mm -hmm. can't really comment on that. Um, I believe the writers were also the, announced. Did they? Oh, in, I didn't see that. Maybe I not. So. I thought that we had a script person attached. If not, uh, then oh, it, um, talks on producing. Oh no, it mentioned that at, uh, Derek Connolly. Derek Connolly is writing the script. Uh, you may know him oh. from Jurassic World. <laughs> so, so uh just just some <laughs> things to keep in mind yeah that was in the original the original deadline uh i don't see it in our article I'm gonna go, I'm gonna still send a message. Don't tell me that. 
Okay, so, um, yeah, so that's happening. Hopefully, you know, they're going to put, do you think there'll be a lot of CG in it? I feel like yes. there's a couple of things that you have to consider in making a Zelda film. Like, is it going to be directly based on any of the storylines that already exist from any of the movies? Because quite, I feel like quite a few of the games, I mean, already exist in any of the games, because I feel like quite a few games would lend themselves to yeah. movie like do Twilight Princess and have like turn into a werewolf or I would bet dollars to donuts that they're either going to go Ocarina or mm -hmm. uh, Breath of the Wild. Yeah, Breath of the Wild. Well, I've only played Tears of the Kingdom. Does Breath of the Wild isn't it a pretty open plot though? Like it feels yeah, like it's but... less the story's less structured compared to some of the other iterations. Yes, I, I don't think I don't think they're going to adapt the plot so much as the setting and like the side characters. Sure, I feel like the side characters of the Switch games are really really. Um, beloved, and they're pretty fleshed out. Yeah, for, for a, a Zelda game, you know, they have like a you know a lot of different personalities, um, and I also just think that that's maybe like marketing wise, that would be um, the the most like immediately recognizable for like the younger audience. Or you tap into the the older crowd with the younger crowd, and you go Ocarina. That's pretty classic, pretty standard Zelda. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or they could just go the Mario route and do like a an original sort of hodgepodge of all the different, you know. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of different ways to go. I think the other biggest question is um, what does Link say during the movie? That's what I was thinking. He's gonna have to talk. He has to talk, right? If they if they did it in animation, I think they could have gotten away with a silent link, maybe. Yeah. Um, unless it was illumination because their characters are never allowed to shut up. But <laughs> with a live action, he's gotta talk. I feel yeah. like um Maybe not. Maybe they'll go like experimental with it and have a, a fully silent live action protagonist. But I don't. I don't really see that happening. Yeah. Uh, some friends I have in a Discord, Discord made a good point that um, Legend with Tom Cruise is sort of like he's kind of a silent protagonist. I mean, he talks in that, but like barely. You think back? Yeah, I mean, that movie? I guess. Well, and you know, Mad Max. He's in, especially yeah. in Fury Road. Like he, I yeah, think he has what like thirteen lines. Yeah. Um, I don't so know there's why. ways to do, like really, if they wanted to tap into that, I feel like there's ways to minimize it. But you do have to have like really proactive side characters to kind of do some of the di heavy dialogue, heavy lifting. Well, the problem with the Zelda games, and obviously this, they could find ways around this. But the problem with the Zelda games is characters are always talking to you. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's not. It's not like. It's um, like first person. Yeah, and like yeah. the assumption is always that it's one of those things where like either we assume that Link is saying things and we just don't hear them, mm -hmm. or they kind of get away with that whole. Um, they could just talk at you for a really long time and not get weirded out when you say nothing. But if they <laughs> yeah. tried to, you know, if they tried to translate that to the movies, the problem would be that like all these characters would be like telling Link to do things, asking him to do things, and he would just be like, okay. And I don't know how much that would work, so. Yeah. Uh, because you brought it up, I have the Legend of Zelda April Fool's Day movie trailer from IGN from 2008. <laughs> so why don't, we, uh, why don't we look at that oh, real quick and see, you know, maybe they, maybe they had a, an option here with, with this. I've never oh watched God. this before, so this is going to be too much, uh, too much of a blast in the past for for one day. <laughs> okay, okay. I've got something special lined up today. I'm taking the harvest to Castletown Market, and you're coming with me. 
No manga manners. Is that Lou's dad? And that's like what's, you know, the. Um, and for goodness sake. Uh, there's a Triforce. Yeah. Don't touch anything. <laughs> they just have that out? You know. Just hanging. Just hanging out. I've been waiting for you, Link. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm remembering if this. This is. Safe. Does, he does look a little bit like late stage Michael Jackson, which is. <laughs> he does. I was saying is, <laughs> I think it doesn't help that like so much of it, everything is blown out in the lighting, so people's yeah. noses are not like if they're looking at you straight on aren't fine very well. So just he straight up looked like he was about to moonwalk in that last yeah, sequence. Yeah. Um, but you got to remember, this was this was like 14, 15 years ago. 2008, so, everybody. You know, this is back when the internet was a much less terrible place and um but also you know there were less like fan films and things like that yeah so, yeah you know i don't know how many people were like totally fooled once they saw the whole thing but i do remember or i seem to remember from um there was like a brief period where we were like oh my god are they finally doing it but then i don't know that i would have been convinced by the cg sets even in 2008 but i mean it's cute it is. It's, it very much feels like a, a relic of fandom of a certain time. I say, does it look? Is it that much of a step down from Netflix uh, Cowboy Bebop? <laughs> That's what I want to know. It's like. <laughs> it's, it, 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 not, I mean, okay. I mean, I was impressed with the spider that they had there. Like, I enjoyed that little reference. And they've got so. Ganon in some decent makeup. Right? Yeah, he looks, yeah, he looks, looks right. better than freaking DBZ Evolution Piccolo. So <laughs> I haven't seen that. So um, is, is Marion not her? Not Marion. It's Marlon Marlon, right? Is the girl who you, who you get uh, Epona from, right? Um, Marion. That looks like her. I thought it was Marlon. Maybe that's the name of the farm. No, I mean, that was I very much oh, this trailer is not real. This is an April Fool's joke from 2008 made by IGN. Yes. Malin, thank you, everyone. Malin, there we go. It was trans, again, transposing R's and L's. Uh, does he look better than Matt Mercer dressed as Ganon in his fan film? I think, didn't that end up being kind of controversial? I didn't, I have, yeah. I don't know what that's refer, uh, referring to. Uh, Matt, Matt Mercer did a fan film where he was Ganon and and all the makeup and stuff and uh people had some thoughts on that we don't need to get into it <laughs> so we don't need to get into that right now yeah so all right um so with that bit of news i guess you know just keep your eye on the nintendo accounts in case uh, miyamoto decides to hop in there and post anything else about this upcoming movie um do you think they're gonna go tom holland link since it's a sony production no. is that what they're gonna do they need to find an unknown. Like, like Orlando Bloom took off in America because he looked like a freaking elf, and they made him Legolas. They need another sure. one. Of, they need sure. another one of those. You can't. Yeah. You can't make Tom Holland doesn't look like an elf at all. Appreciate the man. Loved his work on uh, lip lip sync battle. Okay, right. Yeah. Yeah. Rewatch that. Yeah. Good stuff. Not elf material. Sorry. Timothy Chalamet. 
that is the obvious choice. I'm kind of sick of him, though. I don't have a good reason for it. I'm just kind of sick of him. Maybe it's the Wonka stuff. I'm just hey, like, that Wonka movie. I I am gonna. This is here's my controversial take. Okay. That Wonka movie looks freaking awesome, and I will be no. there day one. No, because that man directed Paddington too. So as far as I'm concerned, true. Uh, I will be there for every single feature that he makes until the day I die. <laughs> okay, <laughs> okay, but don't you, is it also the scriptwriter from Paddington Two or just the director? Uh, I think he helped write Paddington Two, and also I trust his instincts. Okay, okay, um, <laughs> you know what? You can you can see that one for me, and I will I will take your opinion on it. But something about I watched the trailer and. Um, I did not like it. <laughs> the Hugh Grant Oompa Loompa stuff, I think that's going to maybe get a little old, but it's a lot better than what they could have done with the Oompa Loompas. It's true. I, I would much rather them make it a little comically grumpy Hugh Grant than every other potential option that they could have gone with for the Oompa Loompas. Uh, Nick just wants to let you know that you've immediately tanked your credibility before going to bat the AOT finale. Okay, uh, you can say that all you want, Nick, and I'm going to be laughing in everyone's face when Wonka comes out, and it is, at the worst, a pretty okay time at the movie. So, <laughs> the, the, I've staked my claim. You heard it here first. That movie's going to be at least a 7 out of 10. Um, maybe a 6.5 if you're in a really grumpy mood, but that's 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 my call. That's a call okay, my shot. Rotten Tomatoes is going to shit all over that movie. Okay, and Rotten Tomatoes also had a lot of words to say about, um, oh my gosh, I just lost it. That's such a great, oh, A Cure for Wellness, one of my favorite recent horror films directed by Gore Verbinski. People don't like that movie either, and that movie rules. I haven't so, seen it, so I can't comment on that. Really weird. <laughs> well, I like weird, so I might, real weird. Might like, I might like that one. Yeah, um, Timothy Shalley, I don't know. I think I've just like seen his face a few too many times. It just seems like they're trying to put him in everything he's not, hey dune didn't even get to come out this week so poor guy true <laughs> i mean i don't know do, do you feel like at all he's just getting by on his cheekbones or probably but you know what no honestly i th I, do, I think he is a good actor um i think he's maybe getting a little overexposed but yeah i think it's i think it is like an overexposure thing i'm trying to remember what part of the wonka trailer i just really bounced off of and I don't, I guess I don't, I, maybe I'm also sick of a uh, rolled doll, which is, I think well, that's, that's, at any that's, point, because he's kind of sucked. So anyway, um, we'll be revisiting that specific hot take when uh, Wonka comes out, but until then I'm going to shelve it. And we're going to talk about the finale for Attack on Titan. So this also included the after show, not after show, after party. They should have got us to host the in and after show at the. No, it's right there. Right, right there, right there. Um, so I saw some of the screenshots for that. Yeah. And what do you? How do you? How do you feel about the the, the graphics of of I, this endeavor, James? I mean, for for a well, I guess I was going to say for a free. It wasn't free, <laughs> but for a price to get in right yeah there was a there was a ticket price um uh 22 dollars i think yeah i think it was like three thousand yen so whatever that yeah whatever that yen's pretty weak right now usually that'd be more like 30 bucks but i know but yeah um yeah it was i mean for a basically just like a virtual lobby 
mm-hmm. slash um, kind of like fan service uh, behind the scenes extras thing. It wasn't, I mean, I don't know. I didn't find it like offensive. I guess I wasn't expecting anything particularly um, uh, shocking, especially because it's something that like needs to be able to run on like a phone. Was like, okay. Because okay. Um, uh, uh, when they, when you buy the ticket, they, you know, they tell you to, um, you know, you can access it on your phone through your mobile device. And I, I, you know, it's like browser based, right? So it's not like yeah. a, it's not software or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, it's to be honest, I was more just laughing at the fact that it takes place on a boat immediately after the attack on Titan finale, in which yeah. boats do not fare well. Yeah. <laughs> so just and you know, tonally, coming off of the, that last episode and into the literally what a an attack on Titan themed cruise would probably look like. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a bit odd. Yeah, um, you know they uh, they they had little um, like little cutesy dialogue scenes that I couldn't really understand much of because they were in untranslated Japanese. But um, oh, okay. I, there was one where I'm pretty sure it was Mikasa, uh, like either asking or telling Aaron to like eat a cute little snack, and I was like, uh-huh. oh, this this hits a bit different after what we just watched. Yeah, um, but you know, people were walking around, leaving messages for the cast and crew. It has, a, it has some charm to it. Yeah, it was international too, right? And so mm-hmm. I noticed, like with yours, you know, they got a little American flag yeah. over there. But um, how many like people do you think you saw walking around who were from outside of Japan? Quite a few, or oh yeah, yeah, um, uh, quite a few people with U.S. flags. Um, some people from the Middle East. Some people from. Um, I think I saw some. Uh, I saw quite a few UK flags. Mm-hmm. Um, because of the time zone difference, it was yeah. a little scattered about. But I, there, were, there were quite a few people, and it's it's um, the thing is running for like days. And yeah. So you know, people are kind of dropping in and out throughout the whole thing. Um, so if you like read the guest book, there's like people from all over that have left a bunch of messages, um, and those are translated, so you can read the messages, and um, they have like little uh, if you like kanpai with the with the um, the staff members, you'll get little behind the scenes commentary. Um, when you go into the character cabins, there it's basically like a like a clip show, like a little um, like a little narration recap of like certain scenes from the characters' lives. Okay. Um, I don't know. It was like it was cute. Yeah, it's it probably. Cute. I, I noticed that throughout your screenshots, eventually your uh, cape changed. So there was also some character customization going on. Like you start out green, but there's one in here unless unless it was Richard. Because you guys, oh, that might have been, yeah. Because yeah, we 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 had to swap back and forth because of the time zone differences. Yeah, um, just to just to show this is there is customization. You could there 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 were microtransactions. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> you could buy like yeah, you could buy little uh, you could buy little flowers and oh, that's a, that's a nice cape. Yeah, yeah, it was purple with yeah. um, just I don't arrows or something on it. I don't know. I think they're like parasols or um. Yeah. Oh, maybe. Um, yeah, uh, Lisa Adler Golden asks, so what's the beer sponsorship I keep seeing? I think you could just drink beer on the boat. I don't think it was like, it was like an emo beer. Oh, it was an emo. Yeah. So you could go up to like, uh, people's avatars and do like a little kanpai toast and, um, you know. Yeah. That sounds, yeah. So that sounds kind of, kind of fun. I don't know. I don't know if I would have paid. 22 bucks for it necessarily but um 
I, and that's the thing I didn't get to see. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to see any of like the live streams with like the cast and the crew because they that's a good point. Richard is going to be was, checking those out too. We might have a follow up from Richard about yeah. some of the the um, some of that content specifically. But yeah. uh, that's good. So point. with that's, that stuff and like the fact yeah. that you get to like you know chat with fans, the, there's there's technically a like a, a watch the finale thing. Like you could actually watch the episode on the oh, little yeah. theater screen. Um, I don't know. It would be a weird way to watch that because you're like watching a screen on a screen and it's, you know, there's like all these little avatars running around. I don't know if it's how I would have like wanted to watch the the last <laughs> episode, but there's that kind of like, you yeah. know, the, the kids that like go to the concerts in uh, Fortnite or whatever. There's like, yeah, I guess it's a thing that's kind of happening then. So sure. Yeah, it does remind me very like Roblox or like a uh, little NASA X had a concert in Roblox too, like a couple yeah. when he had a holiday single. Um, this uh, picture I have up here is from uh, Komatsu, who I'd have to double check who specifically that is in the staff, but this was his avatar. And I'll read it because it's a little hard to see, but you could interact with some of the staff avatars and they would have notes like James was saying. This one says, mm -hmm. um, a scene where Aaron talks on the hill with Ramsey, whom he rescued. Acting with tears was extremely difficult. Oh, Komatsu's a voice actor. Uh, acting with tears was extremely difficult and I cried real tears because of how difficult it was. Lol. I had to redraw all the cuts based on the director's revisions. No, maybe Komatsu is not a voice actor. Maybe this translation is not great. It's giving mixed impressions of uh, uh, what this person has done. Um, when I think about now, I think it was very funny to see me sobbing. I feel like I remember a similar quote about from the voice a voice actor that sorry i'm going off on a tangent i don't even know if that's from the same show but i feel like it is anyway you can interact with the staff on there a little yeah. bit have these these interesting little anecdotes um, i know there was one from the one of the series producers there's one from one of the um effects supervisors um, yeah. who handled like a lot of the three the 3d stuff so yeah so um, but that said, yeah, it seems kind of like a fun thing. And again, if you want to read more about it, you can head over to Anime News Network and we might have a, an updated version here soon with some of the insights that the cast and staff uh, shared on mm -hmm. the digital Attack on Titan party boat. So, yep. uh, James, I think it's time to talk about the, the ending the of end. Attack on Titan and also see if yeah. we can maybe explain it. Because I had to go talk to people after I watched <laughs> to make sure that like I fully like understood it. Um, some of the main questions people might have: um, Why did people think this is bad, or why did you know, or was was it was it really as bad as people thought it was? Um, how did the time travel stuff work? I don't know if we're going to be able to help you that much on that. Maybe I, I have. So, I do have something that helped me with that. Okay, I'm so gonna, we'll, we'll talk about that. Yeah, um, time travel, travel stuff work. Uh, what was up with Ymir in the end? So, and also, what does the after credit sort of sequence mean? And so, we're going to talk about all of those things. Um, hopefully, you know, these are going to be our honest opinions on it. You may agree or disagree, but we're going to at least do our best to make you understand why we ended up feeling the way that we do. So, all right, where we last left off uh, in May. Months ago. Months ago. Months ago. Months ago. So that was already a little bit hard for me. I've got so much anime going on in here constantly that um, just not watching a 90-minute-ish special um, 
since May and then trying to remember everything. It's just, I complain about this all the time when we're talking about Attack on Titan, but the breaks really mess with me. So that said, um, where we last left off, the rumbling has happened and Aaron is a giant ribcage monster. Uh, they're obliterating life on Earth. Um, and the crew is trying real hard to kill him. They don't want yes. to, but it's basically that's that's where it, what it's come to. There's really well. It's worth noting that at first they are still, at least in some way, hoping that they can just stop him. Yeah. Um, and you know, bring him to justice, imprison him, ask him why any of this is happening because yeah. he didn't do a great job of explaining. And um, but it, it it doesn't take long before everyone's like, okay, now we have to kill him. Yeah, I mean the odds are stacked. Pretty, I mean, as soon as they kind of land there and they're looking around in the additional like forms of all the past like iterations of the Titans start popping out, it's like this is not, this is not like there's there's not a, a version of this where we don't blow all of this up to stop it. It just yeah. doesn't seem um, feasible. So first. I'd like to let's um I guess their first main like hurdle is getting to the head of Aaron here, right? He's got a real long neck, real long spine, and Armin is going to head he's planning to to basically become the colossal titan and, and blow it all up, right? And that is yeah. quick that's quickly diverted because he is kidnapped by an Okapi. Yes, and um, made the main character of a very inappropriate attack on Titan Dujin um, <laughs> for a few seconds. But they also another thing that's worth, uh, and this is this is where I, I had to like catch up a little bit. Yeah, um, I had to catch up a little bit. Yeah, because, right. Um, where the last episode left off, um, they're also looking for Zeke because remember Zeke right. is there too. Yeah, of, dangling around, around, throwing throwing things as he does, right? Yeah. Um, but they lose sight of him and they're like, well, he could have anywhere into the body. And so we that's also another reason why it feels like we've just got to blow everything up because mm -hmm. we can't find Zeke otherwise. The body's too big. There's too many, too many possibilities. So um, so I feel like about the first third or maybe a, a, a smidge longer than that, Armin is actually kind of out of commission because he's inside the mouth of the Okapi. Um well, and the the characters are like actively trying to to rescue him because right. like we can't kill Aaron without the colossal titan. Like we need yeah. that. Yeah, so. yeah. He's a very integral piece to the plan. Um, did they ever really figure out what titan the Okapi was? Because like well, they immediately I, had had trouble with that because they're trying to relay like which yeah. one is it, which one is it, and um, I think it was was it Mikasa who like didn't know how to describe it because it's like, well, it could be a beast Titan or maybe it's a jaw Titan or. Yeah. I think it's, um, is it Falco or Gabby? Or I think it's one of them that's like, Oh, it's the Okapi. And yeah. It's like, what the hell is an Okapi? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. That? Yeah. But... Yeah. So Armin, Armin's out of commission. And in the meantime, like, and he's, he's real sad about it too. We, we kind of see an arc here with Armin as well as he's, Having well, to he take thinks up this he thinks he's decision. dead, right? Like, yeah, you know, he he genuinely thinks he's dying, and that he's like having this sort of end of life kind of hallucination, and right, you know, he knows that if he dies, then 
everyone dies. Like if he dies, Aaron, uh, um, Aaron wins. Right. So. Right. So it just kind of seems like it's completely over, and everyone's putting up the you know the best fight they can given the circumstances. We've got Jean, we've got Levi, even though he is he doesn't kind of doesn't even have full vision anymore. He's working with one eye. Oh, he's all messed up. Yeah, Levi's Levi's all messed up. Levi's all messed up. So we got Gene, we got Levi, we got Reiner. Um, We have Mikasa. Um, We have Annie. And uh, we got Peek. Peek. Uh, We've got Gabby, who can still. That girl's like a natural sharpshooter. I feel like. like, It feels a little dark to say after everything that went down with her and Sasha, right? But. She knows how to come well, in. She, remember, she shot. Uh, she decapitated um, Aaron, right? She's the one that. She yeah, shot. she shot his head off, kind of. Yeah, it was Aaron, right? Or was it Zeke? No, it was Aaron because then they yeah. played baseball with his head. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So um, we've got all of them kind of teaming up together the best that they can. Falco comes in at the end because Falco and Gabby ha- had been on the boat. They were left with Annie. on the boat with. Annie on the boat, and then this is something I need refresh from. Did the bird thing happen in the previous episode, or was that just like it was? Of- it, it was hinted that that Falco had like figured out a new transformation, yeah, and that he wanted to go help them. But in the last episode, we didn't see any of that happen. Okay, it was just like we gotta, we have to do something, yeah, um, and it kind of left things off on that, yeah. So, um, because I, I felt like I already made, of course, Falco can turn into a bird joke like months ago, but uh, Falco can turn into a bird. Um, it's great though. It's awesome. Yeah. Moment, so. Oh yeah, it's a really great moment. Um, I was confused at his initial appearance, but this is like a, this is like a, it's a really cool shot. Is um, the Falco coming up behind Mikasa while she's using her her gear and it looks, she looks angelic there for a second. I was like, wait, why does Mikasa have wings? I was really confused. And then it was revealed that that was in fact Falco and it was still cool, but less confusing. So um, yeah, he makes a really cool entrance into the fight for sure. And the fights in general, I thought looked pretty damn cool. Throughout the oh, that they were great. I thought the choreography was great. Um, and the thing I, um, speaking of Falco, the thing that I thought the episode did such a good job of is keeping like physical track of just what is happening, given that there's like so many planes of action. Because yeah. a- Aaron himself is a battlefield, right? And so there's like you know stuff going on in the air. There's stuff going on in his like rib cage. Yeah, there's stuff going on on his spine. Mm-hmm. And the episode does such a good job of like helping you just you always know where everyone is pretty much and you know where they're going and why they're going there. And I I love that in action scenes when you have a really clear sense of space. Yes. Because it just helps everything. I agree. Um, And I thought to like add to that, they did a really good job of um, it just because of what Aaron's body currently looks like during the scene, it would be very easy for it to be confusing because it's just sort of a lot of white, ribs which you know at various angles and zoom in zoom outs are just kind of kind of look like striping Mm -hmm. or or bends in it so it would be easy for that to get confusing as far as a sense of depth but they kept it um really clear i also thought it was neat anytime they dropped below the rib cage you could usually see uh the the big colossal titan still stampeding underneath him yeah which was kind of a cool 
a cool shot as well. So yeah, there's a lot of really cool stuff going on with the action sequences that I liked a lot and it helped keep it engaging for how long it is. So yeah, I mean, most of this finale is basically one extended action sequence. Yeah. And I, I don't think I saw some people complaining about the pacing that, you know, so much of the finale is this one battle and then, you know, the, the epilogue is a very, very short part of it. But I honestly yeah. felt like that worked a lot for me because yeah. uh, this is the, the fight that the entire series has been building up to. So if they just got it out of the way, like 20 minutes in, I think I would have been a little disappointed. Yeah. Uh, Theo says that uh, Peek's uh, ejection, eject button spamming battle strategy was, I liked that too. because That was one of my like, favorite moments. In yeah. The she, I mean, she didn't get a ton of really amazing action moments over the rest of the series. So that was kind of fun to watch her like bail out, bite, jump back uh, in and tear someone's throat uh, out. Well, Peek. she even made a point. She's like, look, uh, just because I'm the cart titan doesn't mean I can't fight, right? Yeah. Like, you know, right, she's yeah. usually more of a, a support unit, which makes yeah. sense. Yeah, yeah, but... has, like, other utilities for, like, carrying in units and mm -hmm. stuff like that, right? Yeah. And Pink is so funny because the whole episode, she's like, I don't even know this guy. That was <laughs> like... actually also one of my favorite parts. She was low-key maybe one of my favorite parts of the sequence because, um, you know, everyone's real torn up about what they're supposed to do about Aaron, like, you know, this is their friend. They went through training together. You know, they had all these, they shared loss together and success together. I mean, they, they, they love all, him. Like, they love him. Family. They have all these feelings tied up in, in him. And PX like, I don't know this motherfucker. And he needs to die because he's trying to wipe out all the of world. the world. So you to go blow up his head now. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just going to his head. Like, I know we talked about splitting and something, but I'm just, that's where I'm going. Um, yeah, so... I, I enjoyed her contribution to to this episode quite a lot for a character that I felt like I didn't have as much invested time spent with compared to like Picasso or Armin or, or Levi. So um, I did want to talk about, oh, this scene in general. So we, we see the rumbling happening and it's just wiping out all of humanity. It's, I mean, we see it go through... Um, pretty recognizable different areas like Africa and what kind of looks like a European area and Japan. And, you know, they're just, it's just going through everything. And there's this part with a baby mm -hmm. and we've got one screenshot. I kind of want to talk about this baby because I feel like it's easy to sort of kind of pass it over. Um, but I actually felt like this scene was kind of heavy. And oh, I yeah. want to know if you guys came, if you came away with it the same way. I, did it seem like to you that they were passing the baby towards the destruction or away from it? Well, they were passing it. To, so the baby's mother fell off the cliff. Right. Um, and like her last act was to like, you know, toss her baby out and, and you know, like, like, don't let my baby die. And mm -hmm. so like. Um, it, it's such a powerful moment because I mean, truly like these people, there's nothing they can do at this point. It's either they, they fall into the sea and die or they get trampled. But, mm -hmm. you know, in this, like this last ditch moment, like they're like, we're, we're going to protect this baby for as long as we can. Mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, it's just, I think it was a really powerful. And again, I, I know that people have different opinions about the way that Aaron's character has been handled, which is fair, mm -hmm. but I feel like, I don't know how you could have gotten more clear 
that like what Aaron is doing is just an inexcusably terrible thing. Right. Like, the show is very much like using this moment. Uh, there, there's one moment actually where it almost becomes a little comical. Yeah. Um, uh, when like the rumbling pauses for a bit and like everyone, including the baby, like stops and they're like, what? And I was like, that's kind of funny. <laughs> okay. but, but also like, I don't know how intentional this was, but like the little bit of red fabric amidst the black and white. I'm wondering like, if you're about to say what I've been like holding my tongue on here real quick. The, so. I mean, the the really, really obvious Schindler's List yep. illusion. Like, yeah, that's what, immediately what it reminded me of when I watched it. I don't know if it was intentional or not. Because I mean, red is a very striking color against black and white anyway, right? We've also like, I don't know, go watch the ending to Cowboy Bebop and you've got like the red rose in the puddle and everything's very gray. But so it's this very striking color um, represents a lot of things primarily like people associate red with love or with passion, but it can also be associated with like rage um, um, or action. It's, it's supposed to be a very, it's a very strong color, but still my takeaway immediately was, is this a Schindler's List reference? I, that was uh, the, the first thing I thought was, Oh, I see what they're doing. Like, I mean, I guess it's possible that it's not, but given the themes of the show, given <laughs> Like, I don't, it would be a very strange accident. It would because, be a I mean, strange accident. Now, I don't know, if, for those who haven't seen Schindler's List, the difference between this scene, as far as we know, and that's in Schindler's List, it's a little red coat and it's worn by a Jewish girl. She's probably, I don't know, like early elementary school, like can't be older than 10. Um, yeah, she's like seven, eight years old. And we kind of see these scenes where, um, you, you see the Holocaust sort of ha like happen, like descending on, on um, the Jewish population. And in her case, like she hides in a piano at one point, if I remember right. Um, she climbs inside of a, a piano and the Nazis are coming and uh, someone else who lives in the house with her starts playing the piano to sort of cover it. And I believe they just open fire on him and the piano and then the next time oh god <laughs> the next time we see the coat it's like in a wheelbarrow of, of corpses if i remember right so i mean you kind of get her whole existence through through the film that way um in this case we don't really know for sure what happened to this specific baby um but the imagery does seem to ev invoke that film somewhat um just because we're also dealing with um, massive, massive like genocide of, of people here. Um, I do think it's interesting that people said that, you know, it's they're passing the baby forward so that he doesn't fall off the cliff, but they're also passing him towards imminent destruction that way as well. So it kind of has this sort of hopeless quality for it, but there's a lot, there's a lot of different ways you can kind of read it depending on what See, I, intention. I, 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 I got a really hopeful vibe out of it because basically these guys, the, these people are doing the same thing that the scouts are doing is that they're, yeah. you know, they're fighting to the very last second Yeah, where, you know, uh, for as long as humanly possible, they are going to, to resist this, this destruction. Yeah. Um, but like you said, I mean, it's, it's grim, right? I mean, we, yeah. we get, we get specific numbers of, of how bad this thing gets and um, yeah. it's not good, but yeah. Yeah, it's not good. I just remember that that scene was really strong for me while I was while I was watching it, and it it stuck with me. Um, but it wasn't really I, I hadn't seen commentary on it like 
floating around much. So I just wanted to kind of get everyone's feelings on it. We also get um, a more of a, a deep dive into Ymir's story here. And this part has been contentious. So this is kind of one of the parts where people have been upset about the ending of Attack on Titan in reference to Ymir's uh, horribly abusive relationship with King Fritz. I didn't have a problem with this personally, this particular no. development. Um, it was the only way it kind of made sense because once she got those powers, there was no reason for her to stay. Um, she could have, I mean, we know like the abuse that she went through, that there was already like this uh, tribal issue um, before she met up with him, all of that. So that could have been a way out. And instead she had, I think three or more children with mm -hmm. him, um, which, you know, doesn't really make any sense without the like battered wife mentality that goes on there. So that, that part didn't um, bother me in particular. It's frustrating, but it's not unbelievable to me at all. No. Um, we did find out for sure that she's the one who let the pigs out though. Yeah. <laughs> that's what started it. Like a lot yeah. of things was her opening the gate to the pigs. And it, in the previous um, mention of that, they didn't confirm necessarily that it was her, just that she was blamed for it. And we see her smirk a little bit. Like she has this little act of rebellion when she lets the pigs out. Mm -hmm. um, that's like very beginning of this special, but yeah. Um, King Fritz sucked. Um, unfortunately, a, a girl with like no means to herself who happens to come into power of something, you know, she'd been basically shaped up to that point as like a subordinate submissive to him. So mm -hmm. I don't know why it's surprising to people that she wouldn't tap into her own power suddenly and then just like overthrow him or something like that. So, um, but yeah, he sucked. Uh, but Ymir ends up playing a larger part in the story because she ends up connecting to Mikasa, right? Well, I mean, Aaron even has that line, and I, you know, I don't know how, how literally. It, I get with the time travel stuff and all that, which we can talk about in a bit. It's 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 always hard to say, but even has that line where he's like, "I think all of this, Amir, has all of this is really to lead to Mikasa, and yeah. that it was for Amir to find the one person that could show her." a different way to not live, but I guess die or, you know, a different way to, to exist. Yeah. And, um, you know, everything that I'm doing here is, is just like a part of that. Um, I, I think the show goes really far out of its way to like make it clear that that doesn't like, that doesn't mean that he didn't have a choice. And, and mm -hmm. I'll, I'll talk about the time travel stuff, but <laughs> yeah. um, I, I do think it's really interesting because thematically um, I, I wrote about this a lot in my review I, I think this ending really does um, not necessarily reshape, but refocus the the themes of the story mm -hmm. a lot more on on the idea of what happens to us when when what we love or the way that we love is kind of twisted and corrupted by fear. Mm -hmm. the The things that it makes people capable of when that fear is exploited, either by other people or other governments or what you know, the people in power and 
you know, it shows that, I mean, Emir and Aaron were, were not very different and that they were not willing to let go of the thing or the ideas that they loved, that they felt, you know, made them who they were. And, you know, they were willing to, to do terrible, awful, unforgivable things because they couldn't, they could not conceptualize any other way of being. They could not imagine living, you know, Aaron couldn't imagine living without his friends. He couldn't imagine a world without his friends. And uh, he, he, he decided that he would rather kill every other person in the world than, than even uh, risk having to live a life where the, the people that he loves um, are hurt, which is ironic given because he hurt them, right? Because he made them have to kill him, which was probably one of the like worst things that he could have uh, thrust on them, and that's the like consequences of his of his own actions. I guess we could get into the time travel stuff a little bit now because yeah. I'm like I understand it conceptually. I may not understand it like as far as like the ex in in how intricate it is. I was trying sure. to, like I was trying to turn that into a noun. That mm -hmm. wasn't working. Um, I couldn't explain like all of the mechanics to you. Like I understand that you know through the Titan powers and you know through um, Aaron through his dad, you know he's perpetuated and set certain things in motion, and he's seeing the past and the future simultaneously. And through all of that, has convinced him that this is actually like the only way to prevent his friends from being killed or prevent uh, the eradication of um, of their home and all those other sorts of things. But I can't really help but think that that is limited by Aaron's own ability to perceive other options. He can yeah. only try things that he could think of trying in order to see if they would work in the first place. And honestly, he's an idiot. He admits that much. So I, I can't believe that there aren't other outcomes in the hundreds, thousands, millions of variations of action reaction sequences that could, could have prevented the choice that he made. I feel like it's his time travel ability is more of an excuse for him yes. to lessen his culpability for what he chose to do. Well, I think, so the way I've been looking at it, that's really helped me kind of understand. And again, I look at this so much more on a thematic level when it comes mm -hmm. to like, the actual rules, I don't really care that much. Like, whatever, it's time travel. Like, yeah, it's magic. But, yeah. for, but from like a story perspective, I've been thinking about it very much in the sense of, of less like literal him going through time and being bound to some kind of like fabric of fate and mm -hmm. more like more of his perception of time stretching across the past and the future it basically makes him like a shitty teenage Dr. Manhattan where he yeah. sees the past and the future and the present all at once. And, but like you said, he's only seeing the natural consequences of who he is. So I, the, I, I almost look at it as if he hadn't like had that like touch moment or whatever with um, Historia and like seen all of this and like unlocked his, you know, his, his kind of outside of time perspective. I mean, he even says, I still would have done this, you know, yeah. like this is what I wanted. And, right. And, and there's, you know, there's a part of him and it's unclear, like, you know, cause he's going, you know, he's kind of unstuck in time, but the way, the way I look at it, even when he, um, when he like admits to the fact that, you know, he 
uh, he's the one that orchestrated his own mother's death because um, he had to keep he, Bert Hold alive. So he yeah, yeah, he had to keep Bert Hold alive. But also, I also think that he needed that, like he needs that justification because yeah. um, you know, we uh the we talk in the show about um the idea that like um because Zeke has the same thing where he even uh, he talks to uh, what's his name, the 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 old doctor guy that he right, played yeah. with. And he's like, I still think the extermination plan is right. right. And we're like up until the like the moment, up until the moment that Levi cuts off his head, he's like, Man, if only I had figured this out sooner, maybe I could have done something different. Yeah. But I think it's it's so much less about fate and more about like he's so set in his ways, he's so stubborn, he's so immature that he he's not strong enough to challenge himself and to risk, you know admitting that he's wrong to the point where he, you know, even when he's like about to die. And I think for Aaron, it's the same thing where the, I, you know, whether or not he literally, whether or not he literally, you know, pushed the domino that got his mother killed, or if he's simply acknowledging that like from the perspective of like Emir's vision and the paths he had, you know, there was another way it could have gone, but at the same time, he was always, this is who he is. It's also like, has anyone questioned, this is sort of, I have two points I want to make. The first one is that, has anyone questioned that, you know, the paths are more or less constructed via Ymir's own biases as well? Like she mm -hmm. wants everyone to be, she's just, she's just full of hatred. And we saw that in the previous um, episode special because um, she sides with Aaron over, um, over Zeke even though both are a form of death for these people, Zeke's is more humane in that he's going to um, not allow Eldians to breed anymore. Um, I'm using heavy air quotes for people who are listening, by the way, on humane there. Yeah. Um, but she's angry enough that she's, that she sides with Aaron. Um, the second thing I wanted to point out is that, um, and this is, what kind of comes out of the conversation Aaron has with Armin. So, I mean, he, he puts forth all of his, this is why I had to do it, da, da, da. but he kind of comes, he basically talks straight with Armin for like the first time during that conversation. And what I feel like it comes down to is Aaron got to, got to the ocean and realized there were still people on the other side and that the hatred and suffering and prejudice and everything that he thought he could escape as soon as he got off of the island was still there. Mm -hmm. And he was so deeply disappointed by, um, by that, that as soon as they got over there and he started looking around at the Marlians, that was, uh, that was kind of enough for him. He wanted to wipe them all out. They had ruined what he thought was going to be his, his paradise. They were going to yeah. escape the Titans. They were going to escape, you know, the horrible living conditions of, you know, they, they basically overthrew their government on parodies. So they thought they'd like set that off. And then he was going to go to this brand new frontier that hadn't been tainted yet by humanity. Um, he could go there with Mikasa. They could live like a quiet life, you know, just him and his friends. And there, there wouldn't be any of this ugliness and stuff that he had seen that killed his mother, all of that. And then it that wasn't real. Yeah. And, and he, he, had couldn't, he, he threw couldn't a temper tantrum. He threw yeah. a temper tantrum. He threw yeah. a temper tantrum that, that wiped out 80% of humanity because of it. Yeah. 
I mean, who hasn't, right? Who among us is not? Um, by yeah. the way, can I just can I take this moment to just uh, once again, uh, for for not the last time, um, plug Vinland Saga, because it is such a perfect companion piece to the show in a lot yeah. of ways that um, I I'm I'm so glad that I was able to kind of watch them both in tandem because yeah. they're they're about such similar ideas, including this this dream of if only we could escape to a place where there are no other people and just start new. Right. Except in Villain Saga, and I'm not going to, I won't spoil anything for Lindsay, who's still working through season two. Yeah. But that that dream is framed and presented in a way that is so much more rooted in empathy for others. Like, mm -hmm. I wish that we could have this place so that other people can escape the suffering that I've been through and that yeah. other people have been through. And for Aaron, it's, I wanted this place so that me and my friends could do what we wanted to do. And since other people aren't going to let us do that, they all have to die. Yeah. And I feel like also like a, a, a decent companion because I am watching it as well as Pluto, which talks a lot about how a hatred specifically and what it's rooted in and how it starts. I published the review today for episodes four and five, if you want to go read them, that I decided to center those specifically on how Pluto is dealing with hatred, both as like a cause and reaction to war specifically, but also just to how interactions um, or just misfortunes can set someone on that path and how that continues to um, perpetuate suffering. Mm -hmm. Like it has a lot to say about hatred and suffering and also centering those specifically as being essential to humanity, which is kind of hard to grapple with. But it does lead into when we get to the end and credits of this show, because I feel like Attack on Titan is also saying something kind of similar. But yeah, this, is a, this is a very nihilistic show in a lot of ways. Yeah, um, I don't think it is. I don't think it is fully abandoned, um, you know, certain hopes and, you know, dreams of, of what maybe people can achieve if they are able to find other ways to live, but I also don't necessarily think it's holding its breath. Whereas yeah. villain saga and, um, you know, other, other stories, I think take a much more optimistic approach where, you know, if one person can embody these beliefs and these ideals, then maybe everyone can. And I feel like yeah. attack on Titan is much more, well, um, you know, what's the best that we can do for right now? And then we'll see where things go from there. Yeah. And I feel like that, that may be, or at least it's what I feel is the crux of possibly the, the ending disappointment conversation. Now I did see in our forums that some people talked about how like some people are mad about the ending because pages were thrown in at the end for like the Tonkabon release that weren't in the original chapter release and yada, yada, yada. But what I think the, the strong negative reaction to this ending is, is because it is confronting or like just blatantly putting up a reality that none of us really like like a lot of our fiction doesn't deal with this this sort of um acceptance of the fact that um humans are angry vengeful and violent and that regardless of how bad anything happens large-scale tragedy any of that um it only takes a couple generations for people to, to forget about it and then start a new one. 
And I mean, you can see that throughout history repeatedly over and over and over again. But usually we turn to fiction because we want someone to tell us it's going to be okay. And like, even when you deal with these heavy, realistic topics about war and suffering and tyranny and all those other sorts of things, usually you still have a hero who comes out ahead and then peace is returned to the land and they just let you have that. And it's comforting. Um, And so it can be jarring or upsetting, I feel like, especially when you've invested years and years in a story for it to choose to take the route of um, peace is temporary and in the end, humans will continue to do this because it's what they've always done. Well, and I think to the, it's it, and on the very like flip side of what you're just talking about, not only is it this idea that that you know humans as like a collective are, are capable of, and not just capable but inclined towards the, these negative, harmful, divisive, you know, systems. But I think when it comes to the stories that people tend to like, especially in anime, right? Where mm-hmm. things are, are often very rooted in tropes and archetypes, um, uh, in a very self-conscious way, but you have um, people like it when the villains are these external forces that are very clearly bad for reasons that they understand and agree with, mm-hmm. and and I'm not saying that Attack on Titan handled this perfectly, um, nor that there aren't like maybe better ways that it could have framed things, but I think the fact that it it turns its hero into like inarguably a villain mm-hmm. and that complicates things both because it, it denies the audience the satisfaction of beating the bad guy, because that means killing a character that they probably come to, to, to know and love. Mm-hmm. But it also means that at a certain point you are being asked to, and I, I know that this is a really big point of contention. You're being asked to sympathize with a mass murderer. Yeah, you're being asked to look at him as a human, mm-hmm. um, as a person that has emotions and feelings, and uh, on some level believes that what he's doing is, if not right, then justified or you know predestined or whatever. And I think the thing that makes that I think such a powerful and interesting route for the story to take for me is that I mean most of the the people in history that have done horrible awful, inexcusable, unforgivable things were also just people. You know, there were people that were doing their jobs or people that thought they were fighting for the right reason or people that found ways to justify their actions. I mean, like Jeffrey Dahmer had feelings, you know? Yeah. Uh, I mean, even the most broken, the most violent, the most, you know, uh, hateful people on some level, they're, they're still a part of our species. They're still us. Yeah. No matter, you know, they have, different circumstances, different brain chemistry, different politics, whatever. But I think so often we like to have our villains framed as, as just objectively and simply and reasonably the people that deserve to die or the people that deserve to lose. Mm -hmm. And that isn't saying that there aren't, you know, there aren't conflicts where there is a side that is just objectively on the wrong side of history or what right. have you. But the fact of the matter is that the, the people that are doing the things that, you know, fill you with anger and hate and rage and, and fear, they're also just people. And they, you know, someone, they, they probably have friends that love them. They have family that love them. Right. Right. And that makes it a lot harder to, 
um, root for the good guys because as and this is what I really loved about and maybe we can talk a bit about some of the changes they made between the manga and the anime. But mm. I actually people have made fun of that the line that um, Armin has, uh, especially right. in the manga. When in the manga, after Aaron gives his you know explanation for everything, um, uh, Armin has that whole you know thank you for be you know you became a mass murderer for our sakes. Thank you. Yeah. Funky line. I can see why people it rubbed people the wrong way. Yeah, I think the, the anime did a, a better job with its, you know, we'll be together in hell. Yeah, but I, I think I really love that conversation because it's Armin recognizing like it's really messy because he still loves his friend. Mm -hmm. He doesn't want his friend to die, but yeah. also he doesn't want 80 percent of, of of everyone else to die. Yeah, yeah. It's an, yeah, an inexcusable choice. And yeah, um, yeah I, I felt that scene, at least in the anime version, like. It, the sentimentality was still like a little bit heavy for me and that, but again that may be because I decided I did not like Aaron a lot sooner than Armin necessarily did so yeah. it was just like bro you know a little bit but I under after reading the interview um, that Rafael uh, Multimayor did for the New York Times with Isayama uh, Isayama explains in that interview that um, it wasn't Armin like saying, Hey buddy, thanks or anything like that. It was more of him attempting to um, take some responsibility yeah. for uh, Aaron's actions. Now that might also be misguided because I think he bases most of that on like showing him the book and sort of urging him to go to the sea and like building that up for him. So it led to the disappointment we talked about, which, you know, isn't an equivalent, but that doesn't change the fact that he may still see himself as responsible due to what he thought was a completely innocent action. And well, I think it's more shoulder that because he still cares for Aaron. Well, and I think it's more recognizing that whatever selfish, childish, stupid motivations Aaron had, there was still some of it that genuinely was rooted in his love for his friends. And just like we saw with Amir, right? Yeah. Um, Aaron's Aaron's love for his friends became toxic and harmful and deadly. Yeah. Um, he got to the point where he, he, he reached the conclusion where he was able to justify putting his friends in harm's way, killing some of them, because of his desire to protect them. And, you know, he's like, oh, well, I knew that if I did this, then, you know, it, when, when you guys won, it would mean that they looked at you as heroes and no one would be able to hurt you. And uh, by killing 80% of humanity, that means that these other countries won't have the power to, to attack parodies. But then in the same breath, he's like, I, I didn't actually know you guys would win. Like, I, you know, yeah. I and, got I mean, Hanji killed. Like, I mean, like, it's, so it's like, and his prediction wasn't even fully accurate. Like he 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 comes away from that conversation convinced, like seemingly convinced that what he did is going to put his friends on this huge pedestal for all history, right? And we don't even have to flash forward very far before Jaegerus, who sided with him, were considered part of his his group that caused this, are in a prominent government position in the fallout, which isn't unusual. I can't give you an exact example, but like a, you know, a, a huge, a huge tragedy like that leading to um, shitty people taking advantage and taking power is. I mean that, well, I mean, if you look at the Russian revolution, yeah. um, I was just listening to a podcast about this. Um, it's so funny because like 
the very simplistic version of history that I got, you know, made it seem like the Bolsheviks were like this incredibly, you know, pow powerful, popular, you know, uprising of millions. But the actual power grab was basically in the middle of a bunch of chaos mm -hmm. when this like tiny fraction of this very splintered uh, socialist communist party basically swept in and said, all right, we're in power now. But it, it's yeah. like it, it could have it, it could have it was it could have been so easy for it to have gone a hundred different ways. Yeah, that's exactly what happens is there's a power vacuum mm -hmm. and opportunistic people take advantage of that. And yeah. boom, all of a sudden you have a totalitarian dictatorship like that. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's so, that's history. So Aaron thinks like they're all going to be put on this pedestal sort of. And so you would think that if that were true, you know, that means the rest of the population will kind of rally behind a more populist or something kind of political system. But instead you've got Jaegerists uh, jumping in and, and quietly like rallying people for the next uh, battle. And then you also have, um, uh, oh, sorry, I lost it. Historia? Histor no, it wasn't Historia. It, oh, it, and then the fact that they're all on that boat right? They're, they're on that boat looking fly in their suits about to try and go back to parodies to, to do some talks. Yeah. The, I mean, cause they're talking the, about them being assassinated on the boat. Yeah. So were they really that popular? Were they really lauded as heroes? I mean, we're still within their lifetime, right? They don't look significantly older. I don't even, that, it hasn't been years. It's like, yeah. So the story is little baby turns three. Yeah. So yeah, it's just, uh, it, it wasn't the, um, it didn't even accomplish what, what he thought it would if they no. won, I guess is what I'm, I'm trying to say. And uh, it, real quick, before I forget to ask you, Lindsay, because um, mm -hmm. I've seen the premiere twice now, because I had to get all those screenshots. Oh yeah. Um, did when, um, right before Aaron and Armin hug and their little um, vision, did it look 100% like they were about to start making out? Because... I didn't get that oh, at the yeah. time, but you're not the first person who brought that up. So I'm just wondering, like, I don't know. My, my... The combination of, like, the look on Armin's face and there's, like, a little, like, lean in, which is okay. in cinematic language, that's usually, you know, sign of it. Uh, yeah. But I, I've, seen it, I've seen that scene, like, five times down in the top second face in the, in the dream world i think maybe it also didn't click with me because armin basically did a smug like gonna steal your girl like earlier in that conversation he's like a little that, bro he's like a little bitch about it too he's like i want her to be hung up on me forever and it's like shut up so funny that was that was yeah what um, did you make of mikasa's dream vision oh like running away to get like him fishing and he's mm -hmm. caught a bunch of fish and stuff. I mean, I kind of wonder if that was, I mean, he's older because his neck is ridiculous looking. I guess that's how we're supposed mm -hmm. to know he's an adult. What is going on there, sir? <laughs> there, were, there were a couple of cuts <laughs> where there was a similar one of Zeke where it's like a profile shot. It's like, what's happening here with everyone's bodies? Yeah. Is this a Junji Ito manga? Is yeah. Yeah. Uh, Mr. A says Aaron ugly crying as he died a virgin. Good point. Yeah, that's he what you get for doing, a, for doing a, a hate crime and a war crime, man. That's, yeah. that's how it goes. Yeah. When you dedicate um, your life to war, then you don't have time to get with the honeys. That's yeah. 
Yeah. Should have chosen a different path. <laughs> um, yeah, I figured that that vision was sort of like, you know, that was that was her 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 dream scenario. Um, I think the saddest part of it is, um, you know, him telling her to throw the scarf away once he's died, but we see later that she's buried in it. Well, and to me, I think that I, I, it's sad, but I think it also really speaks to like the whole kind of core of the story is that Mikasa was the one who was able to recognize, I love Aaron. Mm -hmm. I'm always going to love him. That's not going to change. Yeah. Um, but instead of letting that, you know, render me helpless and immobile, I'm going to do the hard thing and uh, cut this asshole's head off. <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't, I, um, I don't know. I feel like like maybe maybe she found somebody else. Like she might have been buried in the scarf, but we we see after I think the tree. She, it looked like she got a family. Yeah, yeah. Them. I mean, they're all real small in that ending credit scene, right? Where we see people like coming around the tree and yeah. after it's planted. And I thought it might have been Mikasa and her her family, but um Nick pointed out that Historia's daughter's eyebrows look like Aaron's. I don't have a good enough shot to confirm or deny that. I know that. But no, 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 no. We saw the dad. We saw yeah. that farmer. We saw the farmer. So yeah. I think uh, I, that is one um, area of criticism for the finale that I have no problem agreeing with people on that Historia just kind of got sidelined for the last quarter of the manga. Yeah. Um, it, it To me, it, it smells just like back when I was watching Lost and the, the story just kept changing behind the scenes and characters that you think are going to be super important just get, you know, killed off or, uh, you know, jettisoned away on a boat for three seasons. Okay. Um, at, I mean, I, I'm, gla I'm glad that the story didn't die. So that's nice. I'm glad that she got to like, you know, meet some nice farmer and have a baby yeah. and she didn't yeah. have to eat Zeke and that's cool. Yeah. But um, it, I, I, it genuinely feels like there was a, like a subplot or something that just got cut. Yeah. And that kind of yeah, sucks. They, they just ran out of time. Uh, Nick points out that we saw Historia's husband. That's not the same thing as seeing the baby's dad. Uh, you can keep that fan fiction to yourself. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> to me, even if it was Aaron's kid, yeah, the story ends like I don't know how much that would matter. Like, it yeah, you know, it's not like the the Titan powers. You know, they're like the Titans are all gone anyway. Um, I mean, maybe maybe there's going to be an OVA where like, you know, uh, ten year old Historia Junior meets like older Mikasa and they strike up like a little friendship or whatever. I don't yeah, know. yeah. And even if then I don't know. Good for Aaron, I guess. Maybe you didn't die a virgin. You know. No, he did. As far as I'm. Concerned that's canon. You don't cry like that in the literal apocalypse death dream world if you have gotten any. That's all yeah, I'm gonna say. Exactly. Exactly. Um I think uh as far as like everybody's little epilogue, the one that felt weirdest to me is uh Levi handing out candy to children. That man is not gonna hang out with children. He doesn't like kids. Come on. No, but he's he's a boots on the ground guy. He's not going to be stuck in some, That's you know, true. like he's he's not a politician. He's right, no. an ambassador. So right. I feel like with war being off the table for the time being, um, he wants to like do stuff to help people because Levi rules. Yeah. And he seems like he's at like um, maybe like a refugee camp 
mm-hmm. sort of situation. Like he's he's handing out candy to the kiddos. Oyan Capone is there. I think I am so glad that he didn't die. Yeah. I was convinced that he was gonna go down with that plane. I was yeah. like, man, we're, we're really gonna we're gonna do this, but no, he he gets to he gets to to do his thing. Uh, Nick wants to point out that uh, Levi only has one boot. Thank you, Nick. That's ableist, Nick. That's ableist <laughs> right there. So um, I'm gonna go ahead and say not okay, not cool. Okay, not cool. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, here's everybody looking fly on the boat. By the way, I appreciate that you you got a screenshot of that. This definitely felt like a fashion. Po- what what has Jean done to his hair? Anyone? He has to look. He has to look good for the for the history books. <laughs> That's what he said. He history students of a hundred years hence to thirst over him. And can I just say, I this is a criticism I don't agree with because I saw um, people complaining about the lack of uh, main character deaths. That okay. like none of you know. It's uh, uh, this 90 minute epic last battle um, and all of the heroes that go into it pretty much walk out, you know, unscathed, right? Gabby, Falco, all of them. Um, I defy you to to watch the scene of Reiner getting a hug from his mom and being told that he is good enough, even if he's not a big chunky titan, and to tell me that the, the, the show would have been better if Reiner got his death wish. No, that's character development. <laughs> that is, that is, that is good writing. Yeah. Schmaltzy maybe, but still good because this boy, I mean, he got one of my favorite lines of the finale when he's just looking out. It's like, after we think that uh, Gabby and Connie and John have all um, been turned into Titans to, yeah. um, to fight them. And he's just like, when will our torment end? <laughs> like, what, like what, like when is this going to stop? Like, yeah. Yeah, uh, I did not expect I did not expect the gas thing to happen at all. I was like, "Holy crap! Now what? Now everyone's now everyone's tight." But they ended up helping them, right? Like they weren't just like mindlessly. No, no, no. They were fighting them. Yeah, Um, uh, Mikasa just killed Aaron in time to to undo the Titan curse. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I like the fact that at his dilapidated house, Connie's mom's there. She's okay. Do you think she's like? <laughs> is it like a kung pao? Does she have like a like a big hole just like right in the middle? <laughs> I hope not. I, did, I, wait, I, did she get impaled or was she just like stuck on the house? As like, far did... as I remember, she was basically like turtle shell upside down on okay. the house and like I was imagining, get up. I was imagining like an older Connie, but in a dress, and then just like this big like clean cut out hole right in the middle yeah no no i think she's okay um um i did want to talk like so as far as the whole we kind of talked about the ending but like how did how did you feel about like this sequence here because i also felt like okay so we this is the tree that falco and gabby planted right and it's grown and we see uh mankind continuing to like build up oh, is and... it, i thought no that's the tree that um that aaron got buried at oh oh okay okay it's the tree that aaron we, got we buried see the, at. we see the little tombstone yeah that's right that's right yeah at. okay so this is the tree that aaron got buried at and we see uh humanity's progress like you know building up just to, to a much more modern area which eventually leads to a nuclear war which eventually leads to 
you know, a bunch of ruins and then a boy and his dog appear. So at this point, like this place has been completely destroyed several times over. And then he's about to go in in the same way that like Historia went in when she got the power. And that, that made Ymir, me think Ymir, Ymir. Yeah. yeah. Went in when she got the power. And that made me kind of wonder, think I've, I, that also felt symbolic to me in a way that sort of like this creature, the, the weird Cambrian era looking worm thing, worm thing yeah. like, I don't know that it's almost conjured up by like death and destruction mm. and entries. I don't know. It just sort of, that's, that's the feeling that immediately gave me. And like, so do you think this kid's going to bring Titans back? I guess. So or maybe his dog. like, we know, we know literally nothing about the being that created the founding Titan and her power. So right. we don't know how it works. At my head canon, my little fanfic, is that because Emir found it when she was in a state of distress and fear and mm-hmm. and and pain, mm-hmm. that her interaction with it is what kind of caused it to become a monstrous thing. Um, and as cheesy as this might be, this guy has a little doggo. Yeah. Uh, he doesn't look like he's running from anything, right? He's not like in pain. He's not afraid. Yeah. So I would like to think that if he encounters Aaron's goopy headworm thing, mm-hmm. that maybe it can be a, a version of that power that can be used for good. Something mm-hmm. that isn't necessarily, you know, maybe he'll become like this, uh, uh, this, a future version of like Gao Gaigar or Gigantor or something. He'll be <laughs> okay. like a, def- a defender of the post-apocalyptic world or I don't know. Just um, a good boy robot sort of monster. Something, a, a yeah. meat robot, but yes. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. And like, I, I, I know that in all seriousness, I, I, it is very much a, you know, it, it's the kind of, of pessimism that doesn't want to fully commit because I think Isayama really does believe that people are capable of being good yeah, but you know, w- when you give a kid the power of a god, um, it doesn't mm-hmm. always turn out well. So, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, that that was one of the things that he also mentioned in in the interview. Um, at the very end, uh, they talk about showing the future of Paradise and the cycle of war continuing. And um, Isayama was asked, "Is there no is there no end to the conflict and cycle you present in the story?" And his response in the interview is, I guess there could have been an ending where it was a happy ending and the war ended and everything was fine and dandy. I guess that could have been possible. At the same time, the end of fighting and the end of contention itself kind of seems hokey. It kind of seems like it's not even believable. It's just not plausible in the world we're living in right now. And so sadly, I had to give up on that kind of happy ending, which is just sad to read. Like, I don't disagree with anything that he's saying. But it's just really sad to read. And I, I had the opportunity uh, to interview Isayama at Anime NYC last year and attend his panel. And don't know the guy personally. And I think I talked about this at the time, too. So a lot of this is just inferences I made based on what I saw. Um, but I think creating this series was very difficult for him emotionally. And so was um, the fan reaction to the ending. I do feel like that that 
left a big uh, mark on him in not necessarily a positive way. I mean, obviously he's probably profited quite a bit from it. It became immensely popular. Millions of people have read it, watched it again, like his hometown, you can go there and it's filled with, the, there's a museum that has his like childhood drawings, all these other sorts of things in there. But at the same time, um, you know, the series was relentlessly dark and the ending is kind of dire um, or an indictment of sorts, I guess you could say. And like we, I mentioned earlier, not a comfy, cozy, everything's going to be okay sort of en sort of en ending. If anything, it's uh, things are going to be okay sometimes for a little while. And maybe you should be enjoying that and, you know, loving who you love and, and uh, fighting for what you think is right the best that you can, but also don't lose sight of how your actions affect people beyond yourself and your your circle because they can be immensely harmful to others um so there are some messages i guess you can you can take away from it but there's there's no like if you only did this then there would be peace and everyone would be happy it, yeah this isn't a story with answers i think and yeah i know that frustrates some people i think it would have been a little foolish to try and come up with some sort of um, like with Vinland Saga, I think what makes that story work is that the, the character is is pursuing pacifism in a world that he knows full well does not accept or condone or have any tolerance for it. Right. And so it it that it makes his character very interesting. But I think if the show tried to um, present a way in which everything worked out just fine for everybody, mm -hmm. um, in forever, yeah, I don't. I don't think people would have been satisfied with that at all. Yeah. Um, because from the beginning, this has been a story about very angry, desperate, broken people living in a very angry, desperate, broken world. Yeah. And I think to, to pretend that that's something that could be fixed um, by, I guess, and this is really, you know, this, this is dark and depressing, but I think it makes more sense to explore and probe at and question what makes us do the worst things that we do mm -hmm. and whether or not it we're, we're still capable of some of those good things than trying to say, well, what could make us stop doing the worst things that we do? Because that's, that, that's a question that at least for a uh, science fiction, horror, war, action anime. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe my imagination is just a little limited, but I feel, I feel like tonally, I agree with Isayama that that probably would have been a little out of step, but. Yeah. And I mean, I guess on a larger philosophical point, I don't think we can, we can eradicate the worst parts of humanity without also like eradicating suffering, which is a very complicated yeah. um, multi-step huge undertaking um as long as people suffer then people hurt and people will hate and you just need one idiot given immense power and a, a garden variety idiot a garden variety idiot not just, just yeah. like everyone else like <laughs> yeah yeah exactly yeah i think i think we did it well, I know you've alluded to it, but I didn't. 
Um, I I gather that you don't feel like the finale was bad or that I, it... I do not feel that the finale is bad. I do feel that the finale makes me feel bad. Yes. Do you so. feel like it do you feel like it lived up to the 10 year long wait? I mean, yeah. I I feel like they they put as much like spectacle and stakes and build up in there. I definitely didn't feel like it was sort of this deflated thing that just sort of limped along and ended. Mm. Um, I would compare it to Game of Thrones if I had seen Game of Thrones. I heard that was really, really, really bad. So I think that this wasn't as bad as that. <laughs> so, to me, um, it sounds like Game of Thrones did what people accuse attack on titan of doing and mm. that it, it turned a beloved and likable character into an unthinking genocide committing monster but it didn't really put the work into selling that idea and it yeah. really just played it up for drama but mm. i've i've seen all of like three hours of game of thrones so i can't yeah i can't yeah i can't that. i can't comment on it either um yeah just to elaborate yeah i didn't did not come away from this story thinking that in in any way endorsed fascism no. and <laughs> i would uh did it poorly execute some some very large markers um referencing real life genocide yes yeah um uh, Probably never needed those armbands, guys. Could have done it. Could have done everything fair without it. As soon as as soon as that happened, then certain elements started lining up with certain conspiracy theories that are also bad, and that definitely hurt the series as a whole, especially with an international audience that is more familiar with that history and those particular conspiracy theories. Mm. However, I don't. Even though that happened, and I think you could make a pretty compelling argument about how those elements hurt the series as a whole, I do not think that the overall message behind the series was that those things are true and also, you know, was pro-fascist. Um, I think there are maybe a couple of people who work in a professional context that kind of owe the series an apology, to be honest, because that has yep. followed the show for quite a while and yep. has made certain discourse around it almost impossible to have like there was oh. there was a point where i didn't feel like you could publicly admit that you were even watching it so um well i mean in my review is like you know for for especially around like season three beginning of of season four like i had to put a lot of work into being like okay like I understand that this is still a, a, a hot topic, but guys, I really do not think that this yeah. show is in any, like, to me, it was so weird because on the one hand, even now, like on Twitter, uh, in the forums, people will jump in and, you know, people that admit to not having seen the show, just mm -hmm. call it fascist propaganda. Like, yeah. that's, that's how they like, just straight up like, oh yeah. So uh, I'm so glad this, this idiot piece of fascist propaganda is over because that's just the meme that's been going around. Yeah. And to me, it's it's so hard having watched the show to I, I I could buy Isayama maybe having some complicated, um, messy, introspective, hopefully evolving ideas about like nationalism yeah. and 
patriotic pride mm-hmm. and you know all that stuff sure but to to say that this show doesn't very obviously and almost cartoonishly paint the actual fascists as incompetent idiot losers mm-hmm. flock you know yeah were, just... we, were we supposed to think flock was cool guys was that was that was that textual that we were supposed to think that guy was cool because he sucked the entire time very obviously he lived for too long he drowned at the bottom of the ocean right is that what happened to him in the end or did he no sw- no, no he, he swam had, behind he, the boat didn't he he held on to that boat i guess yeah <laughs> oh flock oh man anyway yeah so i'm um not dissatisfied with how the series ended again like i guess as someone who i i I keep up on the news enough to be sad about the real world regularly. So, you know, kind of having that reflected back, kind of, you know, it didn't leave me with a good feeling, um, but it's more because I feel like it's true and it's just a really difficult, um, it's a really difficult truth to kind of grapple with, I think. Um, so, but overall, yeah, I, I thought this was a, a great finale. Um, yes, there are some some insensitively used parts. There's there's some messy parts. Like you know, we could talk maybe more about like whether even the time travel stuff was necessary or if it just sort yeah. of overcomplicated making it into some larger grand plan that wasn't needed. But um, those criticisms aside, you know, um, yeah, I enjoyed it. It was. I don't think it was bad. We don't think it was bad, guys. <laughs> it was, in fact very good um, yeah i think uh, attack on titan's gonna go down as one of the all-time greats i think it would have even if the finale was bad i mean yeah uh, I if, don't, I, most cases i don't think a bad finale is enough to ruin a great show but i think it's yeah ending. yeah i think it um it is inescapable as far as it's it's mark left on like anime in general and in some ways even pop culture as a whole i think we'll be seeing allusions to it or references to it um, for a long time coming. So um, that said, I want to thank everybody, uh, especially our longtime listeners who have been with us since the very beginning when we first started covering Attack on Titan. Um, really appreciate you guys. If you enjoy the show, you know, share it with your friends. We'd love to see your comments, um, how the ending made you feel, what you think we got right, what you think we got wrong. Um, just be nice about it. And we'll see you next week. I think we're going to do all of Pluto. Woo! Woo! So, you know, eight episodes, each one's an hour long. So try to get uh, try to get caught up on that, because that might be the last one. I'll, we'll be taking a week off after that, because I'll be coming back from Anime NYC, and I'll be very tired. So probably won't have one the Tuesday following. This will be the Tuesday before I leave, so we can do that. All right. Um, thank you again, James. Um, read his review. It's getting a lot of compliments. I've had people tell me publicly and privately how much they enjoyed it. So you should oh, go read James's review of the good. finale. Yeah. Um, and we will see you guys all next week, 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern. Um, make sure your clocks are set back already, though, because otherwise you'll be late. Yes. Yes. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. 
Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.